Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Yeah, we are really here. We're here. We're here. We're loving it. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the show. Got a great show for all of you today. You know, but first off, let me just say hi to Mr. B. Hi, Benny. How are you? Doing very well. Did you have a good weekend? I had a great weekend. Of course, did some planting, helped Jessica, played a little ping pong. And yeah, and... uh, Like a potpourri uh, of activities you had, a little potpourri of activities. I had a little potpourri. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, ate a big fat hamburger too. Oh no, did I say that? Just seems did I say better that for I did you. that? I know better. that's what I did. <laughs> yeah, but had a blast. The weather here is beautiful. Life is great, and we have a great show. Um, uh, congratulations, uh, Megan, my 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 oh. friend Megan Markle. Yeah, all right, good. Yeah, you two go way back, friend. don't you? Yeah, you. <laughs> Everybody's friend, Megan Markle, yeah, but right. no, no longer Megan Markle anymore. But. Yeah, and I got to tell you what I love about this, and we're going to talk about this today on the show. You know, to hear the amazing, the amazing Harry, the amazing, to hear him come out and what he said, and obviously he watched the birth. OMG, Benny. OMG. Who doesn't love that guy? No, everyone loves him. I know it. Crowd pleaser, not a crowd teaser, right? That's what I'm saying. But we have another crowd pleaser today, right? The power of your other hand, unlock creativity and inner wisdom through the right side of your brain with my very special guest and the author of this book, Lucia Capaccioni. And what I love about this is this, I had a recent experience with this, but we're going to get her on right away and we're going to talk with her about it. For those of you that are, are thinking to yourselves, who is she? What should you know? We are here to talk about somebody, therapist, best-selling, best-selling author of The Power of Your Other Hand. Why is this important? You're going to hear a little story. But more importantly, this is about creativity. And I am so thrilled to talk about this. Lucia, let's talk about creativity for a minute, if we could. And welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Um, Look, when we refer to the other hand, we're talking about something specific. Yeah. But for many people, they may be thinking, oh, well, wait a minute. Are you talking about the lefties? What are you talking about? And I think this is where the confusion is, because we need to understand how the brain processes things, creativity. So here's, here's my question to you. What do you believe is the most misunderstood aspect of the other hand? Well, the definition of it, for one thing. Because a lot of people use one hand for one thing and the other hand for other things, and so they don't know if you say dominant hand, I don't know. <laughs> you know. So my definition is very clear. It's the hand that you normally write with. Okay? Because in order to write with either hand, 
you have to access the language centers of the left logical side of the brain. And that hand, when you went to school, got hardwired to that left brain, regardless of which hand it is. So it's the writing hand. It's the hand that's logical and and uh, sequential and you know knows how to deal with alphabets and <clears throat> numbers one through ten or whatever. So that's that's the hand and that's the part of the brain that we are talking about when we talk about the dominant hand here. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, I, I had a couple of experiences with this, and I want to ask you to comment it based on this fabulous book. One of the experiences I had is I had an injury in my dominant hand not too long ago, but I've also had an injury in my dominant hand, you know, at other points in time in my life. And so, of course, it affects the normal things, right? It affects our ability to write or sign or things like that. But I had a really interesting experience not too long ago where I literally broke my my little pinky finger on it, and I had to give it a little bit of a rest from a sport that I like to play. But I I wanted to play the sport. I just couldn't couldn't play it with my right hand. So I started to play the sport with my left hand, right? Two things happened. One, everybody thought I was being a smarty pants by playing with my left hand. So I had to go through that psychological trauma with my people that I'm playing against. But the other thing was that while I felt a little bit awkward playing, it didn't affect my mental game, if you understand what I mean. It didn't affect the way I thought about playing this game. It didn't really affect, and I found a different level of peace in it. Tell me how this works with us. Well, the interesting thing is that the, the uh, right side of the brain in most people, which governs our spatial and visual perception and also our emotions, our emotional expressiveness, and our entunement, our intuition, all of that is very easily accessed through the non-writing hand. That's what I call the other hand, the non-writing hand. It didn't go to school. It didn't learn logic and sequence. But what it does really well is function in the physical world. So it's really very good, for instance, at art. A lot of artists now are using their non-writing hand to do their drawing with. It's very good when you're dealing with visual spatial perception like dance and movement and sports. So the right brain has a real advantage there. But the problem is we feel so awkward using the non-writing hand that we never give it a chance. But once we do, all kinds of things open up. You know, let me ask you a little bit about you for a minute. I mean, I just briefly introduced you as a best-selling author, but also, you know, you have been somebody out there that is teaching so many other people beyond what we're talking about today. You know, you have been out there looking and helping people that may be a little bit different or that may, be, may have some life challenges, right, yeah. um, that may be you know, in my case, when I became physically ill, I had to resort to using my non-dominant hand and even my non-dominant leg, by the way. That's now a whole different thing, right? Mm-hmm. Y- you know, so basically what I'm saying is the whole left side of my body, right? Yeah. Um, but there is something that happened that I didn't understand. And that is that as unable as I was to be as dominant physically in the world because of, you know, at the time, my healing journey. 
I didn't have this sense of despair by or frustration uh, with this. And, 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 you know, what I'm worried about is that we forget as adults how absolutely uh, innocent, beginner mind we were as children, where none of this really matters, right? Is the goal for us to attempt to try to get back to that state at some level? I don't know. I'm just making that up. But I, I, I know you talk about that. Well, that's exactly what happened to me when I had a life-threatening illness. It was in the yeah. family of lupus. And yeah. uh, I was a very successful. I had two different careers, and I was really successful at both, and I was a real high achiever. And all of a sudden, I just came down with this incredible fatigue, and I couldn't function. Mm-hmm. So I had to go to bed. I had no choice. And uh, yeah. while I was sitting in bed, the only thing I had energy for was drawing and writing in a journal and reading. And um, so I'm sitting there, you know, in the sick bed, and the doctors didn't really know what was wrong with me. They were giving me all kinds of medication for whatever they thought I had, but it wasn't the right stuff. So I was having side effects. So the illness was compounded by all of that. But I healed myself by discovering the power of writing and drawing with my non-dominant hand. And when I did that, I regressed back to a very childlike state. And instead of pushing it away and going, oh, you know, that that's crazy-making, I can't do that, I'm an adult, I've got to achieve and accomplish, and i got to get out of this bed and get well, I just surrendered to it. And this inner child that came out literally healed me, just going back to that innocent state and that very emotional state and allowing the emotions to come out on the page. That's what did it, and that turned me around. Oh, my God. You know, listen, uh, I am so glad we're talking about this because, okay, I didn't have lupus, but I had something very similar in 2004. And and, And here's why I love what you wrote, and I love you for sharing this story, right? Because you and I share something similar, you know, everything from being medicated to close to death, right? But then finding something on the other side of that. In my case, and let me ask you about this, because I, I, I'm kind of jumping into the book like like a, a gazillion chapters ahead, but I'd love to do this. Because what you have discovered and what you have written about is really applicable to everyone. You don't have to get a chronic illness like you and I had, Right. But I will tell you that six months prior to April 1st of 04, and I'm not kidding, it was April Fool's Day, Lucia. Don't be, you know, I know you can laugh a little bit. (laughs) Joke's on who, right? But six months before, I dial a wrong phone number. Listeners have heard this story like a gazillion times. I dial a wrong phone number, like I'm a girl from the Bronx, right? I don't hang up. I don't think anybody from the Bronx literally doesn't hang up. We hang up. But I didn't hang up. And within 10 minutes, I bought my first hour of airtime. I didn't know that six months later that I would come down with what they called a mystery disease. And the only thing that I could do was this radio show. And I was on, I was sick like you, but I was on 14 hours a week. I was interviewing the most incredible people. I was so energized by this. Can creativity take that form? Because sometimes we think, well, wait a minute, i got to be an artist or i got to do this. But see, for me, 
I became this person that loved the energy, the creativity. I've read books that I've never read before. Can that, too, something like that also address what you're talking about in the power of your other hand? Well, absolutely. In fact, I uh, did a lot of work at Walt Disney Imagineering during the 80s and early 90s, and um, I worked with people that didn't have serious illnesses, but they had been laid off from their jobs at Disney, and I was there to help them create a new career. And these Mm -hmm. people were devastated. It was like being in the ER with trauma survivors. I know. I I know. I studied that for 10 years. My dissertation is all about what you're talking about. We should have hooked up on this, you know? Yeah, they were absolutely (laughs) traumatized. So because I'm an art therapist, and that's what happened to me after this illness, I became an art therapist Mm -hmm. because what I was doing in my journal was really art therapy. And someone then put me onto that and said, you know, you need to consider that as a career. So I did, and I became an art therapist. So at Disney, what I was doing with them was helping them apply their creativity to their personal lives and to their career direction. Mm. And that was very different because, yes, they were creative people, but they weren't used to marketing, for instance. Most of them had to go out and do freelance or start their own businesses because there were no jobs in the theme park business. So maybe they had to go back to theater or film or television or construction, architecture, whatever, because that's a multidisciplinary company. They've got all kinds of talent there. But these talented and creative people that we think of as very creative didn't know how to be creative about creating a new career. And that's exactly what I did with them. And we had a very high percentage of job placement and career growth after that outplacement, which in an industry like that, it's very rare. We have really a 95% placement rate or new business creation. And that was really amazing in itself. So, yes, the right brain serves us in many ways. We don't have to be an artist or musician or dancer. The idea is to live a creative life and find your talent. I've written a whole book about this. Uh, finding your talent and then uh, cultivating that and growing it, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. I love what we're talking about because, you know, part of this is we don't think about how our creative juices help us find all of that, but you've laid this out beautifully, and I'm glad you mentioned the other book, because what we're talking about is a, a time in our lives that may seem like horrific. I mean, losing a job as those folks did, as I did, and then I studied it for 10 years, is devastating. When people say that, oh, just get another job, no, it's really not that easy. But what I love about this is your story with them and my story after job loss. I went back to school and I found that creative. Here's my question uh, for you. What have you discovered is the greatest obstacle or challenge that people have, and I'm just going to use my turn, not yours, flipping the switch to go from a point of devastation to tapping into the creativity and inner wisdom. What have you found? Is well, this, this method that I have discovered is the one of all the other techniques that I use in art therapy and expressive art therapies. This is the one that I have found to be the most effective when people are going through a crisis. Because what's happening is they're able to get all of these incredible inner resources through this right brain access. And that includes inner wisdom and guidance. 
there's a, a loving voice in there. You see, the, the critic inside of our left brain, it really is a left brain uh, process, is very demanding, and it's never going to be happy and never going to be satisfied. So when we're dealing with that inner critic in the midst of a crisis that makes us feel despair and hopelessness, it's like, uh, well, you've lost your job, that's it, you're done. Uh, and it's got all of these uh, belief systems that we learn. Oh, you're too old to do this, or you're a woman and that's not available to you. You know, all that stuff. And I know, so, I got the both of those like, were going on for me. Of course. And so this uh, approach gives us the ability to put the inner critic right on the paper, write it out in the second person, and then look at it, you know, and it's saying, you can't do this, and you can do that. And um, once you see it in the second person and you've distanced yourself from it, you've got to have it in the second person. So it has to, on the paper, it has to say, you know, you can't do this, and you shouldn't have done that, and look at you, you know, you're a mess, blah, blah. Because you want to put it outside of yourself. If you say, I'm a mess, um, I'm never going to get anywhere, you know, I'm doomed, then you've identified with your own inner critic. And that's not who you are. That's not who any of us is. It's a bunch of beliefs that we learn, and we've been hypnotized into believing that that's who we are. So, by, first of all, just putting it out on the paper. And that was my first dialogue when I was sitting in that sickbed I was getting some ideas for a creative project, and all of a sudden, I heard this critic in my head, and I was in therapy at the time, and my therapist had taught me about my inner critic, and my my left hand literally grabbed the pen out of my right hand and started sassing back. This little bratty kid came out, and it basically told the critic to shut up, and it was amazing. I felt so different physically after that. I mean, I just, I just had energy galore and i i realized oh i've just discovered something here this is the secret to getting past all that depression and hopelessness yeah. and the blockages yeah yeah and then and we're going to talk about this because we're talking about creative journal uh, expressive arts too we're going to talk more about that because not only are you uh talking about it today but you also have teach others to do it and, Benny, we have five copies of the book, The Power of Your Other Hand, to give away. I would like to open up the phone lines and start that now. 1-800-930-2819. 1-800-930-2819. We'd like to start. But before we go to break, what I'd love to do is first ask you, Lucia, how can people, one, get a copy of the book, and then how can they find out more about you? Well, they can go to Amazon and order the book right now. Uh, there's an Amazon page for the book, and they can, of course, go to the Lucia Capacchioni page. But if they just dial in the power of your other hand, they'll get to that. Um, and they can reach me at luciac.com, L-U-C-I-A-C.com. That's my website. And um, oh, so mm -hmm. people can uh, contact me there. They can uh, see, you know, covers of all of my many books I've published a lot of books, and uh, some of them are only available at my website, like the talent book I mentioned, uh, the talent workbook is the name of that. And those are downloadable e-books that people can just uh, print out and have their workbook right there. Yeah. yeah, and one of the things, too, we're going to talk about when we come back is we're going to talk about, well, first of all, I love that in your book what you've done is literally have written with your left hand. And, you know, you have put in here examples of what you've gone, kind of gone through. 
But more importantly, you give us an understanding, both in, in our makeup, but also in cultural theory about right hand versus left hand. But most importantly, one of the things I love about what you talk about is this idea that we have a view of left of left-handedness. And we're going to talk about that when we get back. There's this thing we do about people that are left-handed. And we do it in a kind of interesting way. But if you're anything like me and you've played a wide range of sports, the people you dread most playing are left-handed players. Why? Why is that? Left-handed batter, left-handed table tennis player. What is it? Is it about them or is it about us? We're going to take a short break, everybody. When we come back, we're going to talk more about this idea. We're going to talk more about what does this mean to look at creativity, to look at what we're not expressing in ourselves, because maybe we have something going on that we don't want to explore with our other hand. Let's take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back. What is holding you back from living the life you are meant to live? Why is it vital to believe in something bigger than yourself? Are you in physical or emotional pain? Tune in monthly to Vibrant Purposeful Living. Awaken the vibrant life within you with Lou Paradise and Dr. Pat on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Lou's passion is to help everyone experience positive solutions for life. Find out more about Lou with Vibrant Purposeful Living at LouParadise.com. Tune in to The Jen Royster Show, intuitive guidance to inspire your life, each Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific and 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This amazing show is an inspirational hour that will take you on an epic metaphysical journey to discover the spiritual approach to life's greatest challenges. Dr. Jen is an internationally known intuitive counselor, spiritual teacher, and energy healer. Call in for intuitive readings and visit jenroyster.com for more information. Are you done being afraid to jump into the life that's waiting for you? Are you ready for a real shift? I invite you to tune in every Tuesday with me, Tracy L, on the Tracy L. Clark Show, where we will teach you how to live your extraordinary life. At 8 a.m. Pacific on Transformation Talk Radio, where I will provide the tools and the steps needed to help you transcend perceived limitations and move forward with an extraordinary life. For more information, visit me at tracylclark.com. Has your buzz for life buzzed off? Feeling ignored, invisible, and wondering if this is really all there is? The years go by faster as we gain momentum. You're halfway there. Are you gathering speed or puttering out? Hit your stride for the liberating half of life. Comfortable in your skin? You can do better than that. Tune in to Discovering You Again Radio every fourth Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific as host Susan Axelrod encourages listeners to decide what they want, get inspired to action, and face challenges head on. Host Susan Axelrod pulls no punches, encouraging you to grab the brass ring and soar. For more information about Susan, go to www.whatwillyourlegacybe.com. 
Conscious Confidence Radio, a timeless wisdom with Sarah Main. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio and join Sarah on an adventurous journey to the deeper level of meaning to move beyond today's world of constant change, confusion, and uncertainty beyond the shadow of fear. This hit show explores key concepts such as confidence, values, and attitude in a dynamic way. To learn more about Sarah and her work, visit sarahmain.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. We've got copies of this great book to give away the power of your other hand. 1-800-930-2819. 1-800-930-2819. It's okay to say hi to Benny, too, when you call in. That'd be kind of fun. Um, Lucia, how can we, again, before we before we get rolling here again, how can we, again, find out how to find out more about you, not just about this book, but other books you've written as well? Uh, my website is luciac.com, L-U-C-I-A-C.com. And there's lots of stuff to do on the website. There are some interactive journal activities. Uh, there are essays. There are, uh, you know, covers and descriptions of all of my books. And uh, we even have videos there of programs I've done in public schools and um, all kinds of activities of drawing with both hands and that sort of thing. So, it's a site that's got lots to offer if you want to just hang out and check it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I love this because we are talking about creativity, and that's what's so super important for us. Um, and, and one of the hardest things to do, and I want to ask you about this question because it really does go back to what it means to regress back to our childhood. You know, as children we generally engage in creative ideas and we don't really have the story that we develop when we get older, where we say, you know what? I don't want to do that. I'm not very creative. I'm just right. That's what we, we tend to say things like that from different points in time, right? Not everybody, but you know, if you say to somebody, Hey, you're really creative. They're like, no, I'm not. Right. Exactly. But this is a complete, uh, what I think is a travesty for us, because I think as human beings, we are creative. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, what you outline in your book about the other hand and how super creative this is, that it so taps into the innermost parts of ourselves. Right. Well, it's no accident that I uh, am one of the leaders in inner child work going back to the 70s. I started that in 75. And um, the reason is that I had a a first career as an artist in which I was using my inner child a lot, and I always felt very creative. I was unlike most of the population. My family encouraged me to take piano lessons. I played the organ in church. I put on plays in the summertime, and I went to art school and became an artist, okay? And then I went into early childhood education after I had a couple of children. And I was one of the pioneers in Head Start. And uh, I had Montessori training, and I went into Head Start and had a very successful career in early education. So I knew about children and young children and child development. When I went through my crisis a few years later and went into therapy, my therapist introduced me to the concept of the inner child because she was doing what is called transactional analysis. And that was where I first heard about it. 
I took to it immediately because I'd been working with little kids for years. And uh, I understood how what you said is absolutely true. All children are creative until they're taught otherwise. But little children never say, I don't have any talent, I can't draw. Just give them a crayon, give them some music, they'll dance, they'll draw, they'll play with clay, they'll put on plays. They just do it naturally like breathing. But they are taught by adults that they are not creative because they get judged and criticized. And that's where the creativity stops. It stops when you get into school, you know, because preschool and nursery school environments are generally pretty, pretty good when it comes to, you know, cultivating creativity and allowing children to express themselves. But the minute they get into school, the left brain sets in, and that's where all the judgment comes. You know, you've got to learn your three R's. Now you're tracked into rational, logical thinking, and creativity goes out the window. And when it goes out the window, what happens is people think, and let's really follow up with this, when it goes out the window, somehow, somehow we, we surrender to an idea that it's out the window and I'm never getting it back. I'm never going to be able to tap into that part of myself. And I shared a story with you during the break, right, that here I am, lost my job, moved to Seattle, and before I knew it, I had bought a sketch pad and I started to sketch. I mean, I started to sketch things that had no logical, rational meaning to them. But as you look back at what those, and I did it for a short period of time, and then I didn't do it anymore. I mean, right? I I had other ways that I expressed myself. But I did it, and here was this stream of consciousness. I want to ask you this. Part of letting ourselves get to that place that you're referencing and that you talk about in the book is to really tap into an inner wisdom that all of us have at any age. What have you discovered is the best way for people to one, remember they have it and two, enable and allow themselves to experiment and explore. You and I got sick. I mean, so I don't know about the rest of the people listening, but I'll tell you, I couldn't do much else but this radio show. And so it inspired me in a lot of ways that I don't think if I hadn't gotten sick, I don't think I'd be here today. But what have you found in working with the countless people you found that you've worked with? First of all, the way I found my own inner wisdom, which I've shared with others, is uh, through keeping a journal. And my first book is called The Creative Journal, The Art of Finding Yourself because that was how I found myself. But I integrated drawing in the journal and writing with the non-dominant hand. And what I've discovered about that is that if you ask a question of your own inner wisdom and write the question out with your dominant hand as if you're talking to another person, and then with another pen, allow your non-dominant, your non-writing hand to give you the answers, you will be totally amazed. And that was what I started doing in my journal, just automatically. It just happened naturally. And when I realized the power of being able not only to tap into my inner child and my inner brat who could talk back to my critic, but also I found this incredible, loving, compassionate voice inside myself that was giving me guidance and encouraging me 
to follow where I was being led, and that led me into my career in art therapy, and that's been my life's work. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so it all came from inside. All that guidance about, yes, this is the right thing to be doing, you know, uh, I would say, my critic would come in and say, well, you need to get out of the sickbed and go get a job. Uh, what are you doing sitting here uh, drawing like you, drawing these drawings that don't mean anything? These are ridiculous. You have a degree in art. What are you doing drawing this stuff? This is like surrealistic nonsense. It's scribbling. It's weird. You know, you're, you should be in a mental hospital. This is crazy stuff. <laughs> and my inner child just, you know, got in there and bratty, answered back, real mouthy, just said, shut up. You know, I'm doing this. I have to do this. And um, so that inner battle that I won in the face of that inner critic then led me to delve more into that non-dominant hand, my non-writing hand. And that's where the the most beautiful, poetic, almost scriptural-like words started coming out of this inner guide. And, um, and I would even draw pictures of these different guides. And, you know, one of them was Sophia, which means wisdom. And she was kind of a goddess figure. Um, there were all these different wisdom voices that came through. I'd even have dialogues with people that I admired, um, like Carl Jung and Anais Nin and people I was reading at that time. And I would get my own version of the kind of wisdom that I was getting from them. But coming through my own hand, it was really amazing. Uh, and this is really part of it. Is How important is it for us to allow ourselves to be surprised because I think what you're talking about and and for anybody that hasn't tried this it would be great to try this the other thing you talk about in the book and I, and I, I want to kind of mention it before we go to break is you also talk about what if you were to start doing things right with your non-dominant hand that you would otherwise uh, like I'm right-handed what if I started to do things with my left hand that I wouldn't normally do with my left hand? It makes you know? a big difference. It really does. Because what happens is that you're starting to rewire your brain. Thank and, you. Um, I talked with Dr. Valerie Hunt, uh, the late Dr. Valerie Hunt, who was head of kinesiology research at UCLA when this book was first published in an earlier version. And I asked her to read it, and as a scientist, I wanted to hear her view. And she said, well, what you are doing here is you're sneaking into the right brain behind the back of the left brain critic who would judge you and stop you from doing new things. And that's exactly what you're talking about here. And so I agree that, you know, turning knobs and doing things with your left hand, brushing your teeth, uh, combing your hair, trying using that other hand for daily activities. You don't have to do it all the time, but just give it a, giving it a try. Because when you do that and when you write with your non-writing hand, you uh, she, what she said is you're opening up new neuronal pathways in the brain between the right and the left hemisphere. So as I say in the book, you're literally letting your left brain know what your right brain feels. Okay, so before we go to break here, this I want to take one of the uh, one of the exercises in the book, and I want to everybody try this out during the break, and also we're going to give another copy of the book away. So here's what I like everybody to do. This is from this is from Lucia's book. Look, Ma, both hands. So here's the exercise, everybody. Benny, Benny, you ready? Take a pen in each hand. 
and draw a symmetrical design using both hands at the same time. Let me say it again. Take a pen in each hand and draw a symmetrical design using both hands at the same time. You will be creating a design in which each hand's drawing is a mirror image for the other. When we come back, we're going to talk about the re rewiring of the brain. Why is it we need that? Well, I'll tell you what. I've done a number of shows, Lucia, here recently about what it is that's happening to us in terms of the amount of information we are taking in. Information that doesn't necessarily get us from where we are to where we want to go. What is it that we can do and do it really kind of in a cool way to move our creativity along? You're going to love this, folks. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Is traditional medicine not working for you? Do you still feel as if your health isn't 100%? Here at the Holistic Medical Center, Dr. Nushin Darvish and the qualified staff look through the dimensions of wellness and start a healing plan prioritized to your needs. Our physicians assess the whole you until complete health is achieved. Get the help you need by visiting drdarvish.com or call 425 451-0404. Tune in to The Truth is Funny with Colette Stephan each Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This hit show will have you thinking outside the box and riding the wave of infinite potential. Join Colette on the Higher Self Network, inspiring listeners to shine their brilliance and ensure success while roaring with laughter as they recognize the humor of the giant cosmic joke. Visit thetruthisfunny.com. Learn to live in the light and unveil the authentic you with a time of healing radio with me, Felistiana, on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Tune in every third Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific as I help listeners understand sacred fusion energy and how to connect to the spirit that fuels the very life we live. Explore the journey of spiritual transcendence and ultimately discover the path to peace, love, purpose and wholeness. For more information, visit a timeofhealing.com. Join the new earth on the Cornelia Stephanie show. Tune in each month as Cornelia takes listeners on an odyssey of higher consciousness to inspire, educate and empower. Cornelia Stephanie is a spiritual teacher, passionate speaker, published author and founder of the Empower Network. Cornelia guides people on the path of self-healing, peace, and liberation. For more information, go to CorneliaStephanie.com. You know that moment when you realize you've mastered your wellness or that you will never fall off the roller coaster of life? Well, yeah, me either. But I still ride Unicorn. I will teach you how to become a mindset master. You will learn how your habits and behavior affect the success of your nutrition and exercise, relationships, organization, and so much more. Motivation doesn't arrive in an email, so stop waiting for it. You have to take action, then motivation follows. I am Coach Peggy Wells. Get out of your comfort zone and recognize the simple truth. We aren't that special. We all have crap to deal with, and we all have a lot more in common than not. I want to spark you into action. We will learn, love, and laugh together. So join me every first and third Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific for Couch, Couch, and Coffee Radio, where you will learn that being happy and healthy is way more than carrot sticks and squats. I'll talk to you later.
Oh my gosh. Okay. I, I, I got to tell everybody the power of your other hand. The reason I love this book is Lucia and I were talking during a break about how both of us really struggled as kids to really even like, I remember almost flunking out of fifth grade, but the reason that it was so hard for us was what we now know is that we all perhaps don't learn the same way. Uh, Lucia, before we talk about rewiring the brain and some of the other things that you have here, again, let folks know how they can get a copy of the book. And Benny, I'd like to give another copy of the book away. Well, they can get it any place where books are sold, uh, you know, brick and mortar stores, or they can order it through Amazon um, or any of the big online stores. Um, they can uh, find out more about my work at luciac.com, L-U-C-I-A-C.com, which is my website. And there are lots of essays and articles and videos and all kinds of things, and especially work about the schools that I did. And we have some wonderful videos. Uh, I brought this work into public schools all over Texas, south uh, Texas and along the border. You've heard of mm. McAllen and those towns, and uh, those are... Very, very um, high-risk kids in those schools, yep. lots of poverty, yep. and mostly Hispanic children. And um, we brought my journal method into the classroom there because, as we were talking during the break, I had uh, a terrible time in school. I was a C student uh, because I am a creative learner. I need to be doing things creatively. I need to be moving around. And we didn't do any of that in parochial school. So uh, I have had a mission in life to literally take this into schools, and I've um, taken the journaling, which is drawing and writing about your feelings with no grades and no tests and no evaluations. It's all private. But I've also included for middle school and high school the non-dominant handwork because what we have found is that by the time kids are in middle school, their critic is just ferocious. Oh, my God. Yeah. And it's getting worse every year. I know. And I have actually gone into the classroom and worked with our local high school, and I've helped turn these kids around by doing this exercise where they write down what their critic is saying in the second person, and then they answer back, and they get the critic off their back. And it's amazing to see what happens in their lives when they have that tool. It's really incredible. And you gave the, the drawing exercise earlier of, using both hands and drawing a symmetrical, a mirror yeah. symmetrical piece. And I want to remind people that a heart is an example of a mirror symmetry design. If you fold a heart in half, it matches, and you know how you can cut hearts out of paper that way. So the heart <laughs> is a wonderful uh, shape to make when you're doing the two-handed simultaneous drawing of mirror images. Uh, it really does wonderful things for the brain and for the emotions. Yeah. Well, and that's really what I want to talk about, because I got to tell you, growing up as a kid, I had a lot of issues growing up. For example, I was put in Catholic boarding school at a very young age and really pretty much beat almost every night. And my mother committed suicide while I was in that school. So you can imagine what a handful I was when my dad remarried my stepmom, who I love, right? But but here I am, I'm coming out of the gate. And, and then I also have this learning issue, right? But your book, if I'd have had this book or my parents would have had this book in their hands at that time, and as a matter of fact, I think about some very creative people that I know 
that aren't necessarily viewed as in life being the best socially acceptable folks, but yet they're highly creative. How do we, uh, and I want to say this, we, how do we look at what you've put here and know that we really do need to rewire our brains because we have so much crust on our brains that we cannot tap into our creativity and inner wisdom. Yeah, and it's interesting. Um, One of the books I wrote called Visioning, 10 Steps to Designing the Life of Your Dreams, really grew out of that very question. I was working at Disney as Mm -hmm. a career and uh, management trainer and career developer for after they laid a lot of people off in the 80s and they brought me in-house for 10 years to work with their staff and their managers. And during that whole time, a lot of people wanted to reshape their careers, but a lot of them were creative, but they Mm -hmm. didn't have social skills. They didn't know how to market themselves and tell other people about who they were and what they could do. So I created the, the whole vision board idea followed by a lot of journaling using the non-dominant hand. And a lot of these people were able to not only vision what they wanted in their career, but then in the journaling, they could do this written dialogue work with both hands back and forth. Mm -hmm. And that gave them the ability to start articulating to other people what it was, because the activities in that book are very focused on, you know, uh, imaginary dialogues with other people potential employers or people that you might, uh, you know, start a business with, et cetera. And it really made a huge difference. So that is kind of a companion piece to this book for people who really need to launch a new career or launch their retirement years, because a lot of people are struggling with that. Oh, there's no question about it. I mean, you are on... Uh, your body of work and what you've done. And you know how I know that what you've done is so groundbreaking and needed because I went through the pathway you talked about. I didn't work at Disney, but I went through what you're talking about. And there's nothing that I could say to explain to anybody that's listening how devastating it is to lose a job. Yes, it's devastating to lose a loved one, But to lose a job affects every essence and core of your identity, especially if you've been there a while. It affects your self-esteem. It affects so much. And yet the way we handle career transition is archaic, except for your work. Yeah, it is horrible. horrible. Yeah, Yeah. you're absolutely right. The people I worked with at Disney had a, a, a double whammy. They had done nothing but wanted to work at Disney all of their growing up years. Yep. They yep. were little mouseketeers, right? That's right. <laughs> and so that was their dream, and they got their dream. They got the job. They got to work on Epcot in Florida or Tokyo Disneyland or whatever. But when those projects were over, mm. then they were laid off. And so to have reached the epitome of your dream from childhood and suddenly have it taken away from you, is a double whammy. It was yeah, it is. totally traumatic. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Well, look, I can't say enough about what you've done here and the power of your other hand, but I also want to tell our listeners about the body of work that you've created. You know, we talk in a lot about things that people have heard, vision boards, but you, when you started to do this, when you started to bring this forward, when you started to help children 
this was a career of passion, purpose, and love. And I want to thank you for that. Uh, we only have a little bit left, but I want to ask you this last question. What is your personal message, Lucia? What would you like to leave us with? And I would love to get you back on one of your other books. I want to talk about creative, creativity. But what's your personal message? And thank you. Well, my, my mission in life is to help people find their inner wisdom through the mm. expressive arts. And that yeah. includes the non-dominant hand for drawing and writing. And I know that we all have that wisdom and guidance within, and we need it more now than ever. With all of this stuff mm. coming in from outside on social media, we're just yeah. overwhelmed with it. But it's all inside. It truly is. And we have the tools for finding it. Oh, boy. Thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you for having me on. It's been a real pleasure. And I wanted to say to you listening, please don't give up on yourselves. Please don't. You'll find what Lucia and I have found. You're a perfect, whole, and complete. We'll see you next time. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.